Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network, live on podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Our guest today, Cleveland Browns, former offensive lineman, future Hall of Famer, Joe Thomas. Now, you might be sitting here going, what? Joe Thomas? Certainly has gotten a lot of national attention recently. If you follow the game of football, you, of course, know this guy has been uh, just an absolute force for the Browns, even though the team, of course, has struggled at offensive line so much so that it's a foregone conclusion. He's going into the Hall of Fame, and he recently retired. But you might go, what is he doing on this podcast? Well, the answer is... Uh, a listener to the Ryan Kelly Morning After uh, is married to the sister of Joe Thomas's wife. So, in other words, the two sisters have married one Joe Thomas and one a listener of the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Now, you can insert whatever punchline you want right there. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I'm just telling you that's the background. So the listener turned the future Hall of Famer on to our show, and now he is a loyal listener. You will hear him discuss that coming up in this interview. But we did the interview, the Seamaster and I, did the interview uh, right before he announced whether or not he was going to retire. And the Seamaster and I were discussing whether or not we should include the line of questioning that I had to do, even though I knew he wasn't going to answer it. He wasn't going to, like, break the news on on this show based out of St. Louis, and I knew that going in, but still I have, I'm obligated to ask. And, and then we kind of discussed the thought process. Now, the Seamaster and I decided to include that all in the podcast. And we also are going to include his appearance on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, where he gives some background and you hear uh, more of the personality that is Joe Thomas, because this guy is going to be uh, a broadcaster. I think he might wind up being a star broadcaster, whether it be with networks on football coverage or be with his podcast that we discussed that has certainly taken off. Now, with all that said, we decided to include it in there. And one of the reasons we did is, first off, we didn't we didn't spend that much time on it, relatively speaking. We, we spent time on the thought process. But also, when I got done with the interview, and, and the Seamaster and I talked about it as well, we both picked up a tell, and we didn't tell each other what the tell was, but we both picked up a tell once we got done with the interview where we both felt like we knew he was retiring. So I'm curious, now that you know he is retiring as you listen to this, uh, we left that in there, and he's still playing cloak and dagger with whether or not he was going to come back for another year with the Browns or retire. See if you can pick up what, for me, was the Teddy KGB Oreo Rounders reference moment in the interview where I'm like, ah, he's retiring. He just gave it away, but I'm not going to call him on it because I know he wants it to be a special announcement and do it on his own terms and not have me back him into a corner, and then all of a sudden he's announced he's retiring on a St. Louis-based podcast. So uh, that, that's, that's the whole thought process behind it. The bottom line on, on Joe Thomas is this. If you're not familiar with him, uh, he, is played, uh, he played at Wisconsin, then he went to the Cleveland Browns, drafted in 2007, and uh, played uh, nonstop, not missing a game up until this past season, maybe about halfway through the season where he suffered an injury, and that was it, and it was the last game he played. And since then, he has started up a podcast, and it has gained traction called The Tomahawk Show. And, uh, and he's also kind of gotten in some spats with uh, some football players, including Richard Sherman. Uh, and that happened, I believe, right after our interview as well. But the point being, he doesn't really hold back. Um, but I think, I think as you get the set, he kind of reminds me of a hockey guy with a personality. He's just like this just likable, down-to-earth guy who happens to be somebody who's going to uh, be in Canton 
uh, one day soon. And so he, he really comes off just as a, as a good guy that, oh, yeah, happened to be a great football player. So uh, a perfect guy to be on the Ryan Kelly morning after and a perfect guy to be on the Tim McKernan show here today. I want to make sure that this is crystal clear, Jack. I want to make sure this is clear as day. The reason this podcast and the reason that the Cat Chat exists are the sponsors. It's, it's all there is to it. It is a business when it gets down to it. Don't get me wrong. Both the Cat and I love doing the interviews. Uh, and I love doing the questions from the audience with Iggy and the Plowboy. But without the sponsors, we don't have a podcast. It's just that simple. And so what I'm asking you, if you enjoy this show and you enjoy the Cat Chat, is that when you have the opportunity to do business with the sponsors, that you do. I, as a matter of fact, am looking to do business with Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com team right now. And so I knew, without even texting Ryan, uh, that all I had to do, because I've been telling you this for the last six months since we started this thing up, is to go to thehomeloanexpert.com and I can enter in the numbers and I can figure out what we're looking at. I can do that right now. You can do that right now. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. If you're refinancing, if you're purchasing, it's right there. You click on refinance, you know where to go. You click on purchase, you know where to go. You enter in the numbers and you have an idea of what you're looking at, what makes sense for you. And we can say this firsthand. I've sent my sister when she bought a place to Ryan Kelly. I've sent other family members to Ryan Kelly. I'm about to do business with Ryan Kelly. If we do business with them, you know we're not steering you wrong. If you do business with them, you'll be happy. There's a reason why he continues to grow, and you see other companies go by the wayside. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And the other thing about him is, by the time you hear this, he will have completed the Baton Death March, but he does charity work, not because he has to and not for PR reasons, but because he feels fortunate that he came really from nowhere, relatively speaking, to have this business and the success he's had, and he wants to pay it forward. And he does plenty of things you don't hear about, but then he does some things to try and raise money, such as the Baton Death March. He's climbed mountains to do it. Uh, he's just a good guy with a great business and an outstanding staff. The HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here he is now, the former Offensive lineman of the Cleveland Browns, but at the time of the interview, it was just days before he announced the retirement. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Thomas on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. All right, so this is a, this is a weird spot for me because I feel like interviewing you right now is like interviewing Stormy Daniels, and let me explain this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got I've got to talk about it. But you you don't really know me, although you're you're now you're now tuned into the Ryan Kelly Morning After on a regular basis and a big part of the Free Dota mission. But but everybody is to anytime Joe Thomas you sit down with Joe Thomas or he, he's on on an, an interview podcast show whatever. Joe, what are you going to do with your retirement? And it would be incredibly moronic for you to even talk about it with some random guy in St. Louis. But still, it would be bad on my part as a broadcaster to not talk about it. You see, the it's like so. If I had Stormy with me, you know what I got to ask her about, even though I know she's not going to give me an answer. Do you follow the analogy? I follow it, and I, I like it. Uh, I nice. totally understand. You know, you've got a, a tough job to do. I know you, you boys rise and grind every morning, and uh, certainly it's difficult and unenviable. But uh, you have to do what you have to do. That's right. So here's what I'll ask, because I, I see we're quoted on NFL.com as saying that you're uh, you know, debating and you go back and forth, and it's like choosing between a school as to whether or not to come back and play in 2018. And that's something you experienced, what, I guess like 15 years ago at this point when you chose to go to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So what, what are you weighing? So we, we, can, we can talk about it without talking about it. I'm trying to do the Jimmy Kimmel here. Mm-hmm. What are you weighing mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go back and forth? Yeah, really, I've always said that when I consider my football future, I think the reasons to continue always come down to, you know, how you're playing performance-wise. Um, do you still love the game? And then how does your body feel? So for me, I, I feel like I still love the game. Um, I feel like I'm still playing well. But uh, the question that's really been digging at me this off season and um, really for a couple years is health-wise. You know, I've, I've had a number of injuries throughout my career now, most of them have not kept me off the field, but they do accumulate over the years. And you get to the point in your career where you have to make that decision, you know, do I think that where I am physically, I can make it through another NFL season and play at the level that I think I need to play at to be able to go out there on Sundays and help my team. How do you feel at this point each morning when you get out of bed? 
<laughs> well, getting out of bed's not the highlight of my day. Let's put it that way. Uh, but I'm guy, <laughs> so what hurts? You know, like, is your back killing you? What, what, what hurts? Yeah, I would say the things that hurt the most would be my knees, hips, and back. Um, mm. They're kind of the, the old man things that creak when I uh, go up and down the stairs first thing in the morning. But I'm a guy that likes to get out of the house early. Um, usually I'm out by 6.30 and like to get to the gym, work out, and swim. And by the time I'm done stretching and swimming and doing my yoga and my workout, I do feel better and I'm able to kind of go through my day uh, to somewhat of a normal extent. And uh, it, I, I feel pretty decent during the day. And, and, and is it a case of something like five years ago this stuff wasn't going on and now it's happened, or was it always was it always there? I mean, you're playing high-level college football, and in the NFL, I would imagine you had mm-hmm. the bumps and bruises, but is it compounded now? Yeah, it definitely gets worse the longer you play, and it's just like anybody in the world. You know, the older you get, the longer it takes to recover from something, the worse you feel after you uh, exercise or play a game or do whatever. Um, and so I think – some of that's just natural from getting older, but obviously you put those uh, years in the NFL in there, and the practices and the games, and uh, those things, they compound, and um, it's not necessarily the big injuries that maybe keep you off the field for a full season. It's those little wear and tear things and the, and the arthritis that builds up in your joints, and things like that that uh, make being a competitive football player and competing with 21, 22-year-olds more challenging. Now, the thing that's so weird is, like, you're talking like you're an old dude, but, I mean, you just turned 33 <laughs> three months ago. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's, that's so young. I realize yeah. it's like dog years, though, when, it's, when they're NFL years. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I tell people. You know, one year in the NFL, it's a dog year. It's really like seven years on your life. So, in reality, I'm like 100 years old. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. I think one of the biggest factors, and I'm theorizing, even though we've never met, is is broadcasting. I, I feel like clearly it's something you you want to do as a full time career. I could be completely off the mark on it. I think clearly you're a guy who will be very good at it, and that is a factor. So how accurate am I on on my my master's thesis on Joe Thomas's decision? Well, I think you're probably half right. I would say uh, half wrong also, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. But, uh, no, I I definitely have interest in broadcasting and the media side of things. I'm not sure if that's something I'm definitely going to do in retirement. Obviously, it depends on what's offered and what's out there. Um, But I don't think that personally would affect my decision to keep playing in the NFL. Obviously, everybody knows the NFL pays a lot better. Uh, it's, it's probably more satisfying going out and strapping it up on Sundays playing than it is being in a booth. Um, but I think when I am ready to cross that bridge into uh, civilian life, uh, I think broadcasting is obviously a great opportunity, but I don't think it will affect my decision on whether to come back or not. What's the attraction of broadcasting for you? Well, I think I've spent 15 years playing high-level football as of today. You know, four years in college at Wisconsin, 11 years in the NFL. And you build this incredible knowledge base about something very specific, you know, football, right, that very few people in the world have. And really the only way you can get it is by coaching or playing the game. And there's very few people that do that. And so I feel like I have this really good – knowledge that's in high demand, right? A lot of people in the country are football fans. They want to know more about it. They want somebody that knows what the heck they're talking about, that has experience playing the game or being around the game to help explain to them the things that maybe they don't see when they're just watching the game from home. And I think I've got some ability and and, uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of opening people's eyes to things that maybe they wouldn't see if they were just watching the game on the couch and listening to somebody else. One of the things that I always wonder for guys such as yourself who played in the league is how difficult it must be because you know that guys such as myself don't know our asses from a hole in the ground, yet we talk <laughs> like we do. And you guys do know that there's a bunch going on in the locker room that you can't talk about publicly. And so you are in a different spot where everybody kind of knows, okay, Tim's a jackass. We won't worry about it. <laughs> People know that Joe knows what he's talking about. So you have to walk that, at least I think you have to walk that fine line of 
being critical, but perhaps knowing that somebody's injured or knowing why a guy isn't starting, but you can't say it's because of some off the field activity. And I feel like that can be a weird spot for a guy. How do you, how do you, how do you manage it now? Cause hell you're hosting your podcast. Yeah. We'll get into it in a second, but yeah. How do you, how do you handle that spot? Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. It is somewhat challenging. You do have to walk that tightrope. Um, it's your job. If you do take it, to be honest and to be fair, I think from a player's standpoint, if we're getting fair criticism from people in the media, I think generally speaking, we can accept it. Um, the criticism that's tough to handle is when we feel like it's unfair, unwarranted. You know, somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about is criticizing you because of X, Y, and Z, and you feel that's unfair. But hopefully, my role is if I'm doing broadcasting or if I'm in the media is being fair and unbiased, but at the same time critical when it needs to be critical, but also praising a guy when he should be praised. And, and hopefully as a former player or as uh, a player, if I go into broadcasting would be able to say, you know what? I know exactly what was supposed to happen, what this guy was supposed to do. And, you know, he either did it well and this is why, or he didn't do it well. And this is why. And I think, in that case, maybe a player doesn't like you pointing it out, but um, I think he can respect it that you do point it out because he knows that you've walked in your, in his shoes and right, you know what right. you're talking about. What do you think of the job Tony Romo did this year? Certainly nationally from media critics, and I think mm-hmm. fans alike, they really enjoyed it. And I think part of that was because rarely have we been able to see a player call a play before the play has happened, and it gives a guy <laughs> instant credibility. What did you think of that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought Tony did a nice job. Um, for me, I, I didn't get as excited when he was calling the plays out. I know people were, like, amazed. They thought he was some type of Nostradamus. <laughs> but for me, for a guy to guess four times and get it right once, uh, I'm not overly amazed. I mean, you situationally, most football players, coaches, um, quarterbacks especially, you look at the situation, and, and after watching film, you know there's probably a handful of plays that are on that guy's call sheet. And if you're sitting there and you call it out, I don't know if that makes the game experience better for people at home. It's impressive sometimes when he gets it right, but you know a lot of times he gets it wrong, and then it's sort of a distraction. So I don't know. It's something that's new, and obviously he got a lot of credit for it. Um, but I, I guess I wasn't uh, as blown away by that side of things. But other than that, I thought he did a really nice job. He does a, a great job of explaining things in a very uh, easy-to-understand manner, and he uses you know, self-deprecation and jokes. And, you know, I have to attribute that to the fact that he grew up in Wisconsin like I did. And clearly people from Wisconsin are just better at those type of things. Yeah, they're superior. And that's the kind of comment that I think endears you to the audience is when you kind of say, you know, <laughs> we were born better. And I think that I like I like, <laughs> I like, yeah, I like, I like that strategy. Yeah, <laughs> not as good because of where I was born. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this, because we talked about it when you were on the Ryan Kelly morning after, and this thing's taken off, and it, it, it doesn't seem like it's just like, oh, we'll do a podcast, and then we talk about it, and then we do two episodes, and now we're done, because I feel like for every one podcast that continues, there's like 10 podcasts where a guy says, I'm going to do a podcast, and he does two episodes, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the Tomahawk Show has taken off. It's your pinned post mm-hmm. on your Twitter feed. Uh, started from the bottom, now we're here. As you guys were in the top uh, 10 on the iTunes rankings, or top 5 maybe. So for those who have not listened to your podcast, first off, subscribe to it. Give it a 5-star review to our listeners. Yeah, beautiful. But There you go. Uh, but what? how would you describe the podcast for people who go, well, it's just like Cleveland Browns guys BSing. Why would I in St. Louis or wherever I'm listening to St. Louis-centric mm-hmm. radio, why would mm-hmm. I care? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great point, and I think uh, well taken that there's a lot of guys that want to go into the podcast, but it is a tough deal because there isn't a lot of sponsorship dollars, and most guys out there are obviously looking to do a podcast to make it a career or make some money on it. Um, but I think, you know, my show has been in the great spot where it's two former players having those locker room conversations, and we're discussing everything about the NFL. Obviously, we both know each other from our time in Cleveland, but Andrew has experience all over the NFL and the CFL. So we talk about a lot of different topics related to the NFL. Usually when we're getting ready for our show that week, we'll go over maybe the top 10 news stories from the week in the NFL, and we'll give our takes on it. And it's supposed to be sort of a pull-back-the-curtain locker room take between two guys, unfiltered, uncensored, and you get a chance to hear what NFL players are thinking about 
the news that's going on currently in the NFL. So, um, unfortunately, the uh, Arizona Cardinals have not been brought back to St. Louis just yet, but just wait. It's nice. around the corner. I'm still right. working Roger Goodell on that one. And then all the great fans in St. Louis will have an opportunity to uh, get excited listening about the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals just like they did in the old days. And that's hopefully right. the, the Tomahawk Show can give them plenty of good excitement. <laughs> we do have guests all over the NFL. So that was long with so- no, 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 but I, but I, but I mean, because it's because I've listened to it and it is, it is entertaining. It's just, it's two guys who clearly have some chemistry and it's a peek behind the scenes, but also some credibility in the opinions when you guys do, do get into the, the game and, and parts of the game that the average fan aren't, we're not aware of. So I want to ask you this because this is something whenever I talk with whomever, whether I'm talking with like, like a golfer or a baseball player, when did you know? So when you were coming up, when did you know that, oh, I'm a little bit different, I'm a little bit better than everybody else out on the football field? Because I would I would assume if you're playing at a Hall of Fame caliber in the NFL, this had to be going on, God, I don't know, 25 years ago, 20-plus mm-hmm. years ago? Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I like it. Um, the first time I knew that I was a good football player I think I was in eighth grade, and one of my teammates, one of my best friends, Steve Johnson, his dad played college football. Wait for it, at Marquette University, back when they had a football team, like in the. I was about to say, I didn't even know they had a program. So what, they, they they're <laughs> they no longer around. Program. They haven't had a program in a long time, but you know, All right. years ago they had a team, and so my teammate's dad, he played college ball, and he said to me, he goes, "I think you might have what it takes to play college football, right?" And so coming from a guy that had played college football, been recruited, I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's really saying something. Like, I think I might be able to play in college. That is so cool. Like, it totally blew me away. And then, obviously, I went through high school and was um, somewhat recruited to play college ball, and I chose Wisconsin. Playing at Wisconsin, I never had any – I had dreams, but never any realistic idea that I'd be able to play in the NFL. And then, all of a sudden, my my sophomore year, I think I was named – all Big Ten, and um, my coaches start talking to me. I think I was honorable mention All Big Ten, and my coach talks to me and says, hey, I think you were screwed. You should have been first team All Big Ten. And I go, what? (laughs) I was just happy to be out there playing a little bit. And then my junior year, people started asking me if I was going to come out early for the NFL, and that blew me away again. So I think that was really the turning point my junior year when I realized, hey, man, I might actually be able to make a career out of this football thing. So you weren't you weren't like a guy because like I'm I'm five years old and I remember people asking me and I and they'd say what do you want to do when you grow up and I want to play for the St Louis Cardinals the the baseball variety <laughs> uh-huh. and they just yeah. kind of they just kind of laugh at me and I go God sure. I wonder what their problem is you know I mean it's like inevitable <laughs> I'm going to play second base for uh-huh. the Cardinals and sure. then right around 14 years old when I get cut from the freshman team I start to think well maybe <laughs> this isn't going to happen <laughs> so so for you <laughs> so for you it doesn't sound like even though you were killing it in a grade that you're like, I want to play in the NFL. I want to play in the NFL. It sounds like it didn't even cross your mind. Well, I'm sure it crossed your mind, but you didn't even really consider a real career in the NFL until mm-hmm. what, sophomore year in, in Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, honestly, my parents did a really good job of keeping me humble and keeping me realistic. I mean, they, they would always tell me, you know, hey, only one in a million little boys get to grow up and play in the NFL, so you need to keep studying, stay in your books, and make sure that you're smart enough to get a job because you'll, the chances of you playing in the NFL are pretty much zero. So, kid, right. you can dream about it. You can put the posters up of the Green Bay Packers, but that's not going to be you someday. So make sure you take care of your bookwork. And I think I really bought into that, and, and that was probably a great idea because anybody that plays in the NFL, there's there's a healthy dose of luck involved with you to be able to do the right things and, you know, the ball's got to bounce the right way. you got to stay healthy at the right times. To be able to play in the NFL, no matter how much talent you have, I mean, there's plenty of guys that have the talent that never made it because one or two little things happen and, and their story ended there, and then they had to go into the working world and they weren't prepared. So I always wanted to be prepared and realistic, and I knew if I worked hard enough, you know, my opportunities could be there in different things. And it just so happened I got lucky, got to play in the NFL for a couple of years. So when you were in high school, for example, were you like working out like crazy or was just like kind of some natural ability? Be honest with me here. There's nothing wrong if you weren't really working. Yeah. I, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was slacking it, you know, video games. Good. This is great uh, to hear. This is inspirational. This is what the kids need yeah. to hear. 
this is what they need to hear. Yeah, Burger King <laughs> twice a week. Yeah, it was great. Uh, no, I, I was I was a uh, regular kid. I mean, I guess kids today they're more into the, the the social media and the video games. But for me, it was all about going outside and playing. I mean, I played a sport every day I could. I was in baseball, basketball, football, track and field. I mean, there wasn't a day that I just went home and sat on my couch. I mean, I was always involved in some type of activity, and that was what what was fun to me. That was what being a kid was all about. Um, so it was easy for me to, you know, get up and go work out or go play football or even if I didn't have anything, just go play in the park with the neighbor boys. So with with getting drafted by the Browns in 07, obviously it's been rough going. Chris Long, who was here in St. Louis, talked about now that he can look back on it and has experienced uh, incredible success with two Super Bowl championships, how much of a grind it is to go through losing every year. And I know you love Cleveland and you love the Browns, mm-hmm. so I'm not looking for you to take a shot. But as far as mentally what that's like to play at the level you have played at but to not have team success – is that something that, that even after just a couple of games wears on you? I can't imagine a decade of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly wears on you, no question about it. Losing in the NFL is devastating. Um, comparatively, you know, obviously it's still a game in the end, and you can't lose sight of that. But um, when you put that much work into it and you put that much blood, sweat, tears into something and you don't have that success, it really hurts. Um Early in my career, I was uh, lucky enough to have a lot of losses. So at least I didn't get used to winning and then have a bunch of losses. <laughs> I think that may have been a little bit tougher, but Chris Long and I both had a, a great start to our career with a lot of losing. And uh, so I think <laughs> never having to overcome the disappointment of being really good and then sucking uh, made it a little bit easier to handle. Yeah, you're in comfort zone. Johnny Manziel and you have a report, it looks like, on social media. And it, wasn't he on the podcast? Was he on the podcast? He was, yeah. We had a great yeah. podcast with him last week, and uh, it was one of our most well-received podcasts yeah. we've ever done. Right. So so what was – I mean, he, he seems like – I mean, maybe I'm off the mark on this one. I have it downloaded, but I haven't listened to it. What, where is he now in 2018 versus where he was five years ago when he was your teammate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he's in a much better place. I think he's learned a lot more about himself he understands much more about himself and the decisions he can and can't make. Um, you know, me, you, whoever else, we can go out with our buddies on a Friday night and have a couple beers and go home. And Johnny just realizes that that's not his personality. He doesn't have that governor. He's not able to go out, uh, you know, on a Friday before a Sunday game and, and just hang out with his buddies. Like, I think he knows so much more about himself now than he did five years ago that he's able to handle sort of the issues that he's had. Um, in his life and in his career. And he definitely has a hunger to get back in the game. And I think he feels like he has unfinished business in the NFL, and he wants to really give it a legitimate shot. So I hope he gets that opportunity. I think he's a really likable guy as a teammate. He was a great teammate when he showed up. <laughs> I mean, that was it's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but um, when he was there and he was committed, he was a great guy. And, and really, you're not going to find anybody that's going to say something bad about him on a personal level as, uh-huh. as man-to-man. Um, his issue was always sort of the demons he had and uh, his ability to come and, and commit himself to the team by showing up and, and giving the effort that it takes to be an NFL quarterback. Here's something that I wonder if this uh, this is something that you think about. And I can't imagine it is, but I'm obsessed with uniforms. It's really kind of weird for a 41-year-old man to even care what uh-huh. other 20-year-old men are wearing, but, but that's where I am, so I just need to be transparent mm-hmm. with you. The Browns are talking about changing uniforms again. Now, you guys just changed them uh, in 2015. Uh, a, what are your thoughts on the current uniforms? And B, what would your thoughts be on going to white helmets? The Cleveland Browns wore white helmets from 46 through 50. Hmm. And I hear they're thinking about bringing it back. I, I read up on this, which, again, sure. is also pathetic. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think we may be on opposite ends of the spectrum on that type of thing. I never cared. <laughs> you don't, you uniforms. don't, you're going to tell me you don't care about the uniforms and all you're going to do is wind up in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't care one bit about the uniforms. Uh, but actually, I think the one thing I do like about the uniform we, we wear right now, I think it's got uh, Cleveland on the front, which I think is a cool touch. I think the people that play in Cleveland, we have a sense of what the team means. 
to the, the city. And there's this interchangeability between the team and the hard work and the grit and the blue-collar nature of like a football player and the city of Cleveland. Um, and I think the values of this city is really reflected in the team. Obviously, the wins aren't there, but um, they the, the people of Cleveland want to see a guy giving great effort and leaving it all out there on the field. Um, just the way they feel like they do in their in their working life and their daily life, and I think having the Browns with Cleveland on the front of their jersey is a great touch to sort of salute the fans. Um, so if they do change it, I'd l- I hope they keep that on the front. Now, white helmets, <laughs> green jacket, gold jacket—who gives a rip? I guess. <laughs> Final question for you, sir. I'm sure there are some people listening to this who may not have heard you on the Ryan Kelly morning after, may not be aware of the ties, may mm. not be aware of why. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much for saying that, because if I say it, it sounds self-indulgent. But, but for those who do not know why Joe Thomas is tied to St. Louis and tied to this radio show, if you could, please give the backstory. Free dotum. That's all you need to say. That's all you need to say, isn't it? You feel passionately That's about it. the cause. You know, there's few things in life you can really get behind wholeheartedly, but that is one of them. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Joe Thomas, the great Cleveland Browns offensive lineman. Someday he's going to be on Fox or ESPN. It might be within the next few weeks. Who knows? Joe, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for taking time out and joining me on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thank you. So there's the podcast portion of the interview with uh, Joe Thomas, but we're not done. No, no. Uh, Joe Thomas was a guest on the Ryan Kelly Morning After maybe a couple of weeks before we did the podcast and uh, gave the background on how he became familiar with the St. Louis radio show. And also uh, you can hear more of that personality. That's why I'm saying that I really think that this is someone who, if he wants to, now you make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars playing football, uh, you know, you don't you don't need to. But if you want to, I think he could be a star in broadcasting. It might be really um, a good voice to hear because, you know, he's going to give his honest opinion and he doesn't need to do it. Uh, so we'll see just what winds up happening with him in his broadcasting career. But you'll hear more of that personality coming up in a bit. James Carlton uh, is the sponsor of the podcast here, and we're so grateful for his support. Uh, he's been on board with the podcast before the thing even debuted way back when with our very first interview with Gary Pinkle. And if you've missed anything, uh, and I'm sure a lot of you are just hearing about it by word of mouth, there's so much, and they are, as they say, evergreen interviews. And so even though Pinkle, Jack Danforth, Clay Travis, I'm just going back through the first few, uh, more recently Mike Matheny, they're evergreen. In other words, they're they're interviews that that aren't dated. You can listen to them any time. Um, and, uh, and they're long-form conversations. So if you enjoyed what you heard with Joe Thomas, then go back and you can listen to those anytime. The, the library is full of fascinating characters, uh, I'd like to think, comfortably talking about whatever uh, with me on the show for about an hour, sometimes a little longer. People really loved the Mike Claiborne one. That's for sure. The Mike Bush one was very popular as well. Point is, there's all kinds of them in there. And leave a positive review on iTunes because uh, that helps the business and helps people like James Carlton, who has decided to sponsor uh, this show and the Cat Chat. And with home buying season heating up, after you get pre-approved with Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com, be sure to get a quote from a top agency and provider of the number one home insurer in North America. They offer coverage that's second to none. In fact, if your AC goes out, they offer a new endorsement where you can get a replacement from a local HVAC company like Design Air Heating and Cooling. It's our own little ecosystem of sponsors here on the Ryan Kelly Morning After. That's what James Carlton does. It's James Carlton, State Farm Insurance, 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800, James Carlton is the name, 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. It's a true pleasure. How about that, Doug? Hello, Joe. Are you the real Joe Thomas? There's been some question about that. Why, By you. Why you would listen you in Cleveland? That. Why you would listen to this show? Well, my, uh, my brother-in-law, Matt Schneider, is a uh, diehard fan. He's, he's so diehard. He lives in Minnesota right now, but he drives all the way down to St. Louis to buy his Buick Enclave from the sponsor of your show uh, really? because he is such a fan. 
As a matter of fact, I have some question if he's actually Misty Plops. Oh or maybe even Deke Dotem himself. I'm oh, sure oh my God. To me. Word. Well, I hope he's not Deke Dotem. You've, you've heard some of the stuff Deke Dotem has said, some of the things he's written. I mean, the man is vile. He's done he good not? works uh, ever since. Well, th- there's no doubt he's a vile man, but yes. I believe all good Americans, <laughs> like himself, deserve a second chance. Good for you. Let me ask you this, Mr. Thomas. Okay, you've uh, you've had an outstanding NFL career. I see by your Twitter account that uh, you have a lot of interest. You could have just walked by what you saw as an injustice. You could have just kept to yourself and said, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to put myself out there. But you saw what you believed to be an injustice, and you tried to right the wrong. Why? Mm. Well, I think it all goes back to how I was raised. You know, the, the, <laughs> my parents, really, they always taught me that you do the right thing, even though it's sometimes unpopular and in the, in the face of uh, much dislike from many of your peers. But you got to stand up for what's right, and you got to stand up for the little people in this world. And I believe that uh, Mr. Deke Dotem is one of those folks. Here's, wow. something you might, here's something you may not have known, because this is out there in the media. This is basically a proven fact. But Doug Vaughn wants to ignore it. So Deke Dota may have put out a few vile tweets in the past. But when the when the community here in St. Louis was trying to keep the Rams here, Deke Dotem did a lot of work behind the scenes, free of charge. Tim, he did the schematics and everything for the new stadium. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people believe just based on those good works, that is enough for him to be freed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, even though he has done some things in the past that were maybe uh, not on the up and up and seen by Doug as, as being a little bit disrespectful, yes. he's, he's a great man at yes. heart. And I think, you know, what we need to do maybe is make this a political movement. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about illegal immigration and right. amnesty and the DACA. And maybe we can talk to the president and get Deke Dotem kind of on a rider on that new bill and at least give him a path to citizenship. Give him a path back on the show. I agree. It's not going to happen. He's Couldn't a dreamer. Agree happen. When you were raised by these parents of yours, did they teach you that if you do wrong, you go to prison? Was that part of the uh, education you got as a youngster? That was. There was definitely always consequences for your action, but my parents do not believe in the death penalty, just like I do not believe in the death penalty for Deke Dotem. I believe he needs to be able to serve his time and come back into the community. Have you ever met this scoundrel? Face-to-face, met him. Well, like I said, I have my suspicions that uh, Mr. Dotem is actually my brother-in-law, although he will never reveal himself. Um, I believe it's probably him, and he is a good person, and then he does love St. Louis, and I think those two factors alone should give him at least an opportunity, at least a path back onto the show. Now, were you now reconsidering hearing the case of Joe Thomas for Dota. This sounds, laid out brilliantly. Yeah, really was. It, it sounds like a you know a, a character witness at a trial. He's been found <laughs> guilty, and people are standing up. Please don't send him to jail forever. Please don't. Now, Joe, we love Doug Vaughn uh, on this show. He he's a great father. Uh, he's a great person. He's a very clever guy. Does a great job on TV. Though there are some that consider him ten, what are the words a, a crabby old cock. Your thoughts on Doug? Well, first of all, I want to ask Doug how his son's doing. I heard the, the tragic news from uh, Monday that he spent all night in the hospital, and I'm, I'm sending my yeah. thoughts and prayers, and I'm hoping that he's recovering. How about, how about well, this Joe Thomas? Thomas. How about Joe, this Joe Thomas, Thomas is great. It's a very nice gesture. Well, it wasn't really all night. About two, three hours at the hospital with stitches above the head. He f- took a header at Bourbon Street. No alcohol it was involved, I was told. <laughs> of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Okay, Freak I'll, action. I also heard that. So I was waiting to the library. The ball, <laughs> yeah, but it's nice of you to, to point that out. That he Does this make you header. reconsider, Doug? Joe Thomas seems like a great person, caring, cares about you. Maybe maybe he's on to something here. I might consider a short reprieve. <gasps> oh, oh, my Lord. Oh, oh, very short in nature. Oh, Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Oh, my word. You know, since you spoke so well of this man and you're willing to be responsible if he should misbehave in the in the future, I will give Deke Dotem a two-day reprieve. I'm going to let the media. A reprieve to last a period of two days' time and and nothing any longer than that if he should misbehave. Wait a minute. Today's Friday, though, so you're saying he's reprieved for Saturday and Sunday? That could be the case. That might be the case. Bait and switch. I'll give him Monday and Tuesday reprieve. I'll give him a wow, reprieve. Wow, my God! Based on uh, what Joe Thomas has said, because he's uh, 
uh, clearly, a stand-up guy. as an offensive tackle, he's very concerned about the community, about my son taking this header in Bourbon Street on the way to the library, and now Deke Dotem as well. We've had hundreds, literally hundreds of people begging you to reconsider the suspension on Dotem, and Joe Thomas comes in and lays it out so succinctly that you will do that none based them, on Joe. None of them were perennial all-pros. And a great American. Factors wow. into it. Tim, that's big news. This is unbelievable. I never thought I would hear these words. A reprieve only to last a period of two days' time. You know Dotem's going to behave well. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll find out about that, won't we? <laughs> now, find out about that. Now, Joe, you're doing a podcast. It's the Tomahawk Podcast. And I see it's at the top of your uh, Twitter page, at JoeThomas73, that you guys are the number two podcast of all sports talk podcasts, which, of course, pisses me and the cat off because we are not there. We're ne'er-do-well podcasts. And you're only behind Pardon My Take. Congratulations, sir. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, been a a meteoric rise to the top, or nearly the top, I would say. Uh, But it's been a lot of fun. You know, we we do kind of talk a lot of football because both myself and my co-host, Andrew Hawkins, obviously NFL guys, but uh, we like to dabble in other things. I think we, we try to model ourselves after you guys a little bit where we're not going to oh, for force sports talk. You know, if, if there's nothing to talk about sports related, we'll just talk about life and just have some fun with it. We don't want to take ourselves too seriously, and I think the fans have sort of enjoyed that. The thing that sets you guys apart from this show is uh, we are uh, wrapped and cloaked in uh, failure. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? <laughs> I think he's a cat lemming. He, he might be. <laughs> he's doing whatever he can do to dote him free. Well, so you had a dote him sign in your hand. Well, you look like you're on vacation. Where were you? We were actually in Mexico together. It was uh, it was a beautiful, romantic trip with my brother-in-law. And, um, oh, that's hot. I now I get why you like Dotem. <laughs> <laughs> with me and Dotem, I mean my brother-in-law, Matt. And, uh, Yes, it was it was wonderful, and we we discussed the show quite often, and uh, you know, rapped about all the great things that Dotem can do now that he's been reprieved for a couple days. Two days, it's two days, two only. days, but two great yeah. days, Doug. This is going to be a special couple. You've of done days. a lot of great things. Uh, you've done a, you've proven a lot of people wrong along the way. You've had a ton of success. I can't imagine there is something to be more proud of than convincing Doug to give Dotem a reprieve. I, I, could go on the Hall of Fame plaque, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, when I when I made my uh, bucket list in life, number one was bring Dotem back to the program, and actually, number two was after I become the owner of the Carolina Panthers. The first thing I need to do is when I talk to Roger Goodell, I'm going to start forcing his hand and bringing the Arizona Cardinals back to their rightful home in St. Louis. Oh, oh my wow. God! Oh wow! This guy Dotem, could win governor. Dotem just Wouldn't got be another day. competition. Right Dotem now. just got one more day. <laughs> Three, Three days. days. Three, Three days. days. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> we love Joe Thomas. How about this? God bless this guy. He's going to lead the effort to bring the Cardinals back to St. Louis. Nice. That is nice. God bless we don't want the Rams, but we would like the Cardinals. That would be awesome. Did you ever play here, Joe? Uh, I did not. Well, I, I, I played there a few games, but I played my whole career in Cleveland. Well, no, we, we I, no I know that, but I mean, I, I did. Did you yeah. ever come to the Dome? Is what I did play the Rams? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. We played them actually. I want to say in uh, 2015, whatever the last year was, and then um, early in my career, 2007 or 2008. Heck of an atmosphere there in 2015. Yeah. What a difficult <laughs> yeah, place for a yeah. road team to come in it and get a W. Uh, <laughs> Deafening. <laughs> I see you're on the front page of Cleveland.com this morning because they're wondering if you are uh, if you are going to retire. Would you like to break some huge news on a St. Louis sports talk radio station with 14 yes. listeners? <laughs> Yes, that was my number three thing on my bucket list, actually. So. <laughs> <Makes sense. laughs> yeah, the breaking news is that I have no news, so I guess we'll have to wait until another day for that one. How do you feel, though? I feel pretty good. I've been rehabbing a tricep injury since October, and, and that's starting to feel better. I just got the clearance early this week to actually start working out and kind of start ramping up my rehab process. So we'll kind of see how things go as I work into my rehab process. You look you looked lithe in that picture from Mexico where you're holding up the free dotum sign. He did. He looked lithe. And yeah, we, we did a lot of cardio out there on vacation, me and uh, Dotem. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. well, we're all going to become Cleveland Brown fans now. Is, is there any hope that that team can get turned around here in the near term? 
Well, I do believe we're going to turn around actually quite quickly if you look at our situation right now. Clearly, we're coming off of historic bad the last couple of years, but we've got more than $100 million in cap space. We've got the first pick. We've got the fourth pick. We've got the first pick in the second round. So, really, you, you talk about adding five or six great players to this roster and uh, a team that really wasn't that far off from getting a few wins. I think we can easily be a playoff contender next season. Does that make you want to stick around perhaps a little longer to be part of a potential turnaround when things have have been so tough recently? Well, it always has been sort of my mission since I got drafted in Cleveland to be part of the turnaround to help turn this team into a consistent winner. Um, And I've always had that optimism and that feeling that we were close. Um, So I I definitely think we're right there right now. I think for me, the decision to come back or not is going to come down to just my own personal health. I've had some uh, difficulties with my knees and and my back in recent years. So it's going to kind of come down to how those those things are feeling. So I I was attempting to do as much research as this show is possibly possibly could ever do, which, of course, Doug, is limited to Wikipedia. But I did find a couple of other things. When you were drafted first round 2007, were you out with your father fishing on that day? Is that accurate? I was, actually. Yes, actually, that is factually accurate. I uh, decided that New York was not the scene for me, and I'd much rather enjoy my draft day fishing with my dad like we do all the time when I was a kid on those Saturday mornings. And so that's how you spent your day. Now, is that where you found out? Did you go home to watch after fishing and and see what the word was? No, actually, that's how we found out. We had a little radio in the boat, and so we were able to tune in and listen to uh, the NFL draft. And uh, I had a cell phone with me, so the Browns actually called me before they turned in their card to select me. So I did find out about it on the boat, and as soon as I was drafted, they did ask me to quit fishing, unfortunately. So I had to go back to shore, do some media, and then fly to Cleveland to uh, be introduced to the press corps out here. What did you catch that day, though? That's my question. Yeah, well, actually, I caught uh, a brown trout and uh, some lake trout. Ironically, we caught a few brown trout, had a good time. Uh, but I do have a question for you guys. I was listening to the show the other day, and you guys were talking about uh, fish and the most expensive fish. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you are. You actually Dover, are a listener. What the soul. And I'm wondering what a pike salmon is. I have, I've never heard of that. I've been fishing my whole life. I love eating fish. And I hear you guys talking about that. I didn't know what that was. Who Iggy? said something about a pike salmon? Iggy, you were talking no, about No, I Dover said sole. Dover sole. I didn't say anything about a pike salmon. Doug, maybe, uh, maybe you said pike salmon. Maybe it was a list. It was probably our texter. Probably our texter. It was, it was uh, I think Doug was talking about. Oh, <laughs> I say I like salmon. Maybe that's what Oh, maybe that's. Ah. Maybe, maybe the reception here in Cleveland wasn't quite. <laughs> it's not it's great in St. Louis either, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what? Dodum is back to a two day reunion. No! You can't do that. Oh, my God! See, that, makes you look that makes you look awful. It does. Doug. It oh. makes you look awful. Well, he He's talking about time. bringing the, the Arizona Cardinals back to St. Louis, and you're going to be petty? <laughs> Well, he said pike salmon. I said, I like salmon. I sure like salmon. I don't pike salmon. (laughs) Joe, whenever the time comes that you are done playing, whether that be here, you decide in the next month or two or next year, whatever. What what are I mean, it seems like if you wanted to, obviously, you could do broadcasting. What what, what would you what are what are your plans when you're done? That's a good question. I'm not sure exactly. I've got a lot of interest. Yeah, I've got a lot of interest. Um, I'm doing this podcast right now called the Tomahawk Podcast that I've been having a lot of fun with. I'm not sure if that would ever be a career or not, but it's been fun. Um, Obviously, I enjoy talking football. I enjoy being in front of a camera, in front of a microphone. Uh, So we'll see. I I like coaching. There's a lot of things I like to do, but I'm not ready. I think maybe when I make that decision, if I make it this year or the next year, um, I'll think a little bit more deeply about what the future holds. You know, they got an opening on Monday Night Football. Wow. That's what I hear. I hear I'm in the betting odds even. Really? 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 Would yeah, you, would, not not strong, but <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to speak for the company, but uh, if you're ever looking for a gig, I'm going to put this offer out there. You're always welcome to come to St. Louis, be part of this show. Starting salary fourteen thousand dollars a year. Ooh. You heard that right, fourteen thousand. Oh my god, with a T. Right. <laughs> with a T. Hang on, I'm gonna have to hang up and call my agent. And call my <laughs> yeah. that, that's fourteen hundred dollars to him, so he'll want that phone call. <laughs> it's, a game, it's a game change. <laughs> well, Joe, we have, we've enjoyed the hell out of this. Thank you so much for for coming on the show, and look what you've accomplished. 
You wanted to get Deke Dotem at least a reprieve. You got you, you at one point had three days. Who would have thought that the Pike mm-hmm. Salmon thing would knock a day right. off? But this right. is a volatile Petty, management system. It is. Thomas is a snootful. But uh, it was wonderful to share the memories of that 2015 game at the Dome. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, thank you for being a listener to the program. Congratulations, of course, on an incredible career. Hopefully it continues, but uh, congratulations also on the Tomahawk Podcast's success. I'm going to have to subscribe to this thing. I am, too. And take a listen. Learn how to do it right, apparently. Yeah, that's what, that's what Joe and uh, uh, Hawkins are doing. Uh, Joe, enjoy the hell out of it, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it, guys. And if all your listeners want to thank me for bringing Deke Dotem back on, they can go on and subscribe and give me a five-star rating on my podcast. That's important. Yeah. That's that important to do. Really happy. That's important to do. Is that what this do. was about? Is that what no! was about? He wanted to get Dotem free and bring the Arizona Cardinals back. All That's right. all he cares about. Thank, thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. So there it is, two Joe Thomas interviews. Two-time, two-time Joe Thomas interviews for you here. One with just me on the podcast and one with my co-host Doug Vaughn and Jimmy the Cat Hayes on the Ryan Kelly morning after. What a uh, unique circumstance to all of a sudden wind up with a member of the Cleveland Browns uh, calling into the show and being, uh, you know, at this point kind of a regular. He's been on a couple times. So uh, Joe Thomas, clearly a good guy and loved having him on the show and getting that background that's what i kind of get fascinated by and if you listen to a lot of these you'll hear a similar line of question with everybody whether it be a politician or an athlete when did you know uh that you were in a different world than you started because sure we look at these guys now or these women now and go okay well they're 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 where they are but everybody has a story to get to that point and that's the thing that personally i'm fascinated by and that's why i start going off on that direction when we have these uh, these guests on. So Joe Thomas telling his story and uh, really enjoyed hearing it. Plus, he's just a likable guy and a pleasure to have him on the show. Thank you to our sponsor of the studios, Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to James Carlton, State Farm Insurance. And thank you to Gateway Buick GMC at I-270 and McDonald Boulevard. Online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. A lot of people looking for new cars. Gateway Buick GMC has an incredible selection. Pre-owned cars, the lot's huge. They've got all kinds for you, and no one can get you in and out and back on the road quicker than Gateway Buick GMC with their 38 service bays. They're online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. It's Gateway, the right way, at I-270 McDonald Boulevard in St. Louis, Missouri. Want to thank John Seymour, the executive producer of the program. Want to thank Nick Gale, our videographer, and thank you to the listeners and the sponsors for making our podcasts possible with both the Cat Chat with Jimmy the Cat Hayes and with me, Tim McKernan, here on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.